0: I'm Mike Urbans, and welcome to It's Your Water. I'm glad you found us. Today's topic is anti-scalants for RO pre-treat. Our guest today is Alan Horner from Impact Water Products in Ontario, California. I believe that's an L.A. suburb, right, Alan? Correct.
1: Just outside of Los Angeles.
0: Cool. And, well, it's not cool. It's cool here in the Northeast. (laughs) It's probably warm over there
1: it's a it's a brutal seventy five degrees today, so it's
0: tough <laughs> it didn't break thirty two today, so yeah, we're we're in a we're in the chill. but Alan is the current president of the p w q a and thanks for joining us. So Alan, tell us about you and your role at Impact Water. We always like to get listeners familiar with our speakers, and a lot of people know you, but, just you know, a quick intro. Say, say hi to everybody here.
1: Sure. So I'm Alan. I'm actually one of the owners of Impact Water Products here in California. We're, we're just a large OEM and distribution contract assembly company on the West Coast. We pretty much deal with manufacturing water treatment equipment. I've actually been involved in the industry since 1987, say early 88 when I was uh, 18 years old. And started in plumbing and went right into water treatment within a few months of that. Primarily commercial, industrial, pharmaceutical. I've never really dealt much in the residential applications, although obviously I know it. But my specialty and expertise really lies in the much much more in the commercial aspect. Uh, other than that, yeah, I've been involved with the PWQA. Always been a huge supporter of the EWQA, TWQA, the WQA, of course. Always willing to well, like this year, Marion had asked if I could just fly out real quick and do a training seminar. Somebody had dropped out, and she gave me a whopping whole week's notice, and was happy to oblige, happy to come out and help out,
0: which was fantastic. <laughs> so, and I mean, and that's how I met you in person. With you know, it was a wonderful thing that you did, and I I keep telling everybody who's listening to join their associations, the WQA or your local water quality association, because this is how you meet. Incredible people like Alan and people in this industry that have nothing but knowledge to share. It's just a wonderful thing to have him as a resource. So I met you at the EWQA, and oddly enough, we had a panel of experts. And I had a customer ask me to size up a whole house RO, which is becoming more and more popular. That's why we're doing this. So they're like, like commercial, and he asked me for an anti-scalant to inject before the membranes, and I was like, I had no clue. I was what, (laughs) and 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 I said, I've heard of them. I know what they are, kind of, but we never. East Coast is kind of soft water, but this gentleman was in Colorado, so I said, Oh boy, my nephew worked in industrial RO. He's that's what he does. He's a um, technician, so I said, Hey what the heck is this anti-scalant stuff? And and he sent me to a guy. Well, flash forward again to the EWQA, Alan was the invited speaker, and, and he started going on to and the, about the anti-scalants and substitute for a softener. And I had that aha moment. And I said, well, guess what, buddy? <laughs> you're going to be at my podcast. It's your water. Great. You're here. So let's get into the what the heck is an antiscalant, if we could tell our, our uninitiated people, because I think they're so important because you made me realize that. So what are they?
1: Anti-scalants are typically used almost exclusively in place of softeners nowadays. Uh, it's basically a chemical comprised of a polymeric inhibiting molecules and phosphoric acid. It's basically lowers the pH and sequesters a lot of the minerals, the scaling minerals, in water. It's used in almost every commercial application. I would say a thousand gallon per day and above ROs. Now, it is the most common way of treating or pre-treating water reverse osmosis for anti-scaling or first, you know for membrane protection. It's just simply a lot cheaper, a lot easier, a lot simpler.
0: Okay, so you're saying. In place of a a water softener is where I'm gathering because your commercial ROs use a lot of water and 24-7 almost. And at what point do we use them instead of a water softener? When do they become more practical? So
1: pretty much always. In all reality, we sell probably three to four commercial ROs a day out of our facility here, ranging from, say, 1,000 gallons per day to 16,000 We stock all of those. I basically sell maybe 2% of those systems with a softener. 98% go out with anti-scalant injection. Now, it may be because we're on the West Coast, where softeners are extremely prohibited due to water recycling laws and issues that we have to deal with here. I'm in California. Let's be honest. We don't have water. I live in a desert. So all of our water is precious. We have to reuse it, recycle it constantly, And that's really where these came into place. So when I started in this industry in the 80s, the reverse osmosis membranes were new. They were exciting. They were cutting edge. They were also really expensive. A 4x40 membrane, you know, was dang near the cost of a cheap motorcycle as opposed to the cost of a cheap bicycle today. So we'd do anything we could to extend their life expectancy. Scaling was obviously the most common problem especially when we try to increase efficiencies. You know, when we're running a membrane at, uh, say, 50% recovery, 60%. It's going to hold up pretty well. At least modern membranes are. But older membranes, we'd run those at, you know, 20%, 30% just to get life out of them because they were so expensive. Today, a membrane is one-tenth the cost of what they used to be. So do I really care about protecting my membrane when it costs so little? I'm not going to spend $1,000 a year in salt to protect a 4x40 membrane that costs me a couple hundred bucks now. just doesn't make sense. This is where anti-scalant can basically double, triple the life of a membrane at almost no cost. And we're talking, you know, one-fourth the cost of a, of a simple softener. Not including, I mean, that's just operating cost. When we're talking the actual capital cost of a softener, a twin alternating softener that's able to run 24-7 with some efficiency, As opposed to a simple anti-scalant injection, chemical pump, chemical tank, and some cheap chemical, it just doesn't make sense to uh, soften anymore. Now, in Southern California, again, our water gets processed. It goes down the river, goes percolates down to the ground, goes to the next city, and it does it over and over and over. So adding tons and tons of salt to the water in our area is just not allowed for obvious reasons because – I'm in Riverside. and My water goes down to Yorba Linda, which goes down to Anaheim, which goes down to Huntington Beach. Well, if we keep adding more and more and more salt into the water, Huntington Beach is going to have some pretty lousy water by the time it gets to them. It's going to be unusable. So we have to consider that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You see, that's, that's the mother of invention, right? Necessity. And that's where, I guess, on the East Coast, we're a little ignorant to it. This one customer was in... Colorado, so he had 50, 60, and sometimes 100 grain water. But the East Coast, especially the Northeast here, we're always in a soggy bog of, of water. Sometimes we have brief, brief droughts, but it's just everything gets flushed, just tons of, tons of rain and water. So we've been ignorant to water conservation because, you know, we don't, we don't need that. But now we're finding you know, as the population increases and the water use increases, that indeed we're forced into the high efficiency world. So this is why we're having this anti-scalant discussion because I think it's really, really important for people out there to, to hear this because it was very enlightening to me that like, wow, this isn't like magnet water treatment or anything like that. I mean, this is just a polymer (laughs) That sequesters the the hardness and basically, I guess, makes them ricochet off the membrane. <laughs> can,
1: yeah, can, can exactly. We it- and that that's the key is that you know a lot of these quote unquote scale reduction technologies. Again, I don't want to say anything negative because I, I am OxyMag. I, I own OxyMag. We we are a huge magnetic module manufacturer for water conditioning. I don't think they're overly effective in most applications. Now we have seen in some applications. These technologies can be somewhat effective, but this anti-scalant chemical injection, it's real. It's not, uh, there's testable methods, there's actual quantifiable ways of determining if it is effective. My most recent test, unfortunately, it's a weird test, I had six 16,000 gallon ROs banked together. One of my customers, they were in desperate need of, you know, 100,000 gallons of RO water, they had to have it in a week. Well, we stock up to 16,000 gallons per day RO systems. So, okay, put a bunch of them in. That's fine. He got the job. Everything was great, except he lost one of his RO systems in about two weeks. Well, what had happened was the chemical anti-scaling injection system, they did not hook up the chemical tube right. So, it was not getting any injection. In two weeks, they lost eight membranes. Not a big deal. It's cheap. I mean, you know, considering the application, they threw in eight new membranes, fixed the chemical injection, but the other five systems were working at 99%, you know, production. This system dropped down to 10% production in the course of two weeks. Now that's not normal. That's an anomaly. That was some pretty bad water where the anti-scalant injection was extremely effective. But Again, that was a perfect example of, holy crud! this stuff is not voodoo science. It is absolutely 100% proven technology, and it's cheap. That's my my favorite part about it is how much cheaper it is than softening. Again, Because membranes were so expensive. They were wildly expensive. Now that they cost, basically, they're consumable. Let's be honest. Membranes are consumable, so, yeah, take care of them. You know, throw some chemical in. It makes them last two to three times longer. That's great. As opposed to softening, Oh my gosh, fifty pound bags all day, hauling those around, lifting them? <laughs> it's not it's not enjoyable.
0: And and then listen, listen to this. A guy that's gonna sell the job with an anti scalant versus the guy selling the job with the big softening equipment. Who do you think's gonna get that job? Because your capital cost is gonna be half. I mean you think about it, what's a chemical feed pump in a tub of anti-scalant versus a monster softener sold in your package, right? So
1: We've gotten even to the point now where, you know, typically, say what we call a raw solution, it costs X amount of dollars per gallon. I mean, it's, it's very cheap, but now we're doing 10 times concentrates. In one gallon jugs, I can UPS a jug of 10 times concentrate anti-scalant to you. That's going to treat 2 million gallons of, of water. for a couple hundred bucks i mean that's just you cannot get cheaper and how much is a peristaltic pump or a diaphragm pump how much do those cost to maintain they were they five minutes to rebuild
0: yeah put in a new two bucks yeah Yeah,
1: 20 bucks and you're up and running again
0: are they approved for drinking water or is the membrane take care of i mean they nsf or they have to be pretty
1: much all anti-scalants have an nsf 60 approval Obviously, they have to because it's going into potential potable drinking water applications. But even so, remember this is prior to the membrane. So any anti-scaling injection you you put in is going to be removed by the membrane, 99 plus percent. And it's very safe polymers. It's Obviously, some acids that are very you know mild. The only thing I would recommend is a lot of people use blending valves on ROs because this is a good example, of like beer brewing or coffee, tea, espresso makers. They do not want purified water; they want greatly reduced TDS water almost like a dirty RO. We want an RO that that rejects like 90%, not 99.7. So we'll add a blending valve. It's super easy, super cheap. Bring that TDS up to say 50, 100 parts per million. But of course, if you inject the antiscalant prior to the blending valve, you're going to be blending an anti-scalant, And I wouldn't recommend it. There's just no reason to. Just simply make sure that you inject your chemical after any blending valves that you install just for the obvious reason we don't know what what i mean i wouldn't drink the stuff wouldn't recommend it even though it has an nsf 60 listing i mean the good old saying is uh you know crayons are non-toxic it doesn't mean eat them (laughs) it does not just you know let's not do that so that's the only rule that i kind of push on people when it comes to anti-scalant injection it's just out of an abundance of precaution put the blending valve before the uh, anti-scalant injection
0: well that's a good nice little tidbit there as far as the formulations, is there like some standard? Like what? What would she you use? Like formula A, B, B, C? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm totally ignorant here, so that's why we have you here. So awesome,
1: yeah. So when it comes to formulations, years ago, anti antiscalants had a wide cost variance. So we would, and uh, antiscalant was very expensive, just like membranes were back in the day. Now the chemicals come down in cost due to Obviously, the great increase in manufacturing, Uh, we're not doing a little bit. We're doing all of it's now going to anti-scan. So the cost has come down. The competition has come up. In general, I would say for anything under a half a million gallons per day, RO, just use the best because your cost difference is going to be minimal. If you're going over a half a million gallons per day, then you might want to look at like trying to save that 10%. But if you look at, um, there's so many manufacturers, and I don't want to mention any of them because I don't want to get any preferential treatment. But you know, let's just say, you know, Acme anti scaling companies, Formula One versus Formula Two is $100 a gallon versus $150 a gallon. Well, what do I care? My cost is 0.00001 cents per gallon versus 0.00012 cents per gallon. I'm not going to care. Use the best anti-scalant. I prefer them with a silica sequestrant. Why well, don't have silicon water? Okay, so it costs you an extra point zero 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 two cents per gallon. Why would you stock? We used to stock four formulations. And again, good, better, best, and even better. <laughs> now we stock one because the most expensive formulation is marginally more expensive than the cheapest. So I just, everyone gets the best. It's, it used to be complex. But these manufacturers have also learned that not having eight formulations makes life a lot easier. Just put up, put the best in, and you're typically going to do great. Right.
0: Well, it's good to know that we're on the this side of the learning curve. <laughs> you know that <laughs> now. You know that's that's why I'm kind of excited about to hear what you're saying here. Is that we're on this upswing of of a learning curve, and and we're we're able to get. The better polymers out there, the anti-scalants, and they've the, the evolution of them. So, as far as rules of thumb, I think we've gone through a little bit. But feeding the anti-scalant, you said feed them after a blending valve. And what size chemical feed pump? Now, I'll be honest with you: ninety percent of the people listening to this podcast are residential, light commercial fellas, gals. So they play in the four by 40, 5,500 gallon a day or less whole house, RO, you know, one single membrane kind of people. As far as feeding it, it sounds like you need a very small pump, not a big gallon per day pump. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's actually one, has always been one of my difficulties in anti-scalant injection because years ago. You know, we just obviously we just use the same old chemical pump, whether it's a diaphragm or a peristaltic. They were always way too big. So our chemical dilution ratios were wild. We'd put in 30 gallons of water and 12 ounces of chemical. Okay, yeah, measure 12 ounces. Go ahead. You know, compared to modern pumps that we've worked actually with one of the biggest pump manufacturers in the U.S. to develop a ultra low dosing peristaltic pump. This pump puts out less than half a gallon per day, running at a 100% speed. It can only put out a half a gallon per day. That's awesome because now my dilution ratios are, say, a quart to 10 gallons. That's easy to measure. Nobody cares about that kind of chemical dilution. It's when you're doing ounces into 20 gallons. Now I'm doing a quart into 10 gallons or two quarts into 10 gallons. So the chemical injection rates are much easier. Also with these ultra-low dosers, you're only filling your chemical tank once every two, three, four, five, six months. My house, I have a whole house reverse osmosis, and I fill that chemical tank. It's a 15-gallon tank. I only fill it with 10 gallons of chemical uh, of water in a couple quarts of chemical, but that's every six months to a year is all I have to fill it. And it's it's just flawless. So it's so much less maintenance than an than a softener obviously yeah lower dosing pumps even if you figure you're only injecting at five parts per million with a raw solution which is rarely used anymore we're usually typically doing a two times or ten times concentration now we're talking five parts per million into a gallon it's just incredibly low dosing so always talk to your chemical guys or your pump manufacturers and they'll be able to help you out with sizing but yeah the these new pumps, the ultra-low dosers, have really made our lives easy.
0: Okay, cool. But now, what do we look for in a water analysis that says, well, where's the threshold of hardness or uh, silica or, you know, something positive for the use of an anti-scalant?" Where's that threshold, if you can maybe give us a little tip?
1: Well, (laughs) that question is infinitely (laughs) difficult to answer, Okay, but in general, if we're dealing with municipal city supplied water, I don't care. I mean, honestly, all municipal water has to kind of fall under certain rules. We're going to look at hardness. We're going to look at, you know, other things, but in general, municipal water. I just I just don't care. It's so easy to work with. Now when we're dealing with well water, that's a whole different beast. The first things I'm gonna look at are pH, iron, manganese, alkalinity, hardness, TDS, and specific contaminants that need to need to be reduced for the specific application. Obviously, agricultural applications. Some agricultural applications are very sensitive to boron. If you've ever dealt with boron reduction, it's miserable. You're going to be doing a double pass RO with high alkalinity feed on the second pass, and then possibly, you know, deionization, or not deionization, but a boron selective ion exchange resin. So we got to look at each water report and, and look at the application. Here in California, avocados are a huge industry, and chloride is one of their biggest problems so the chloride reduction with an ro is ridiculously easy there's nothing simpler than removing that if we have good water but high chlorides and ro is going to do it wonderfully so yeah each each application is going to be very specific to what we're trying to reduce depending on the what we have to reduce i don't if i don't have to do boron I'm not going to even try it because it's, it's pure misery.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. But most of the guys I see is just, you know, of course, you got to remove your iron and manganese and anything that would just coat your membrane. The hard hardness in the East Coast can run from, you know, 100 grains up in New York down to dead soft in the Carolinas and certain areas have naturally soft waters throughout the South and the sand belt, as we call it. But I'm just thinking here, it's just, Wow, yeah, Why put a softener and just put a little chemical feed pump if you're d- installing a whole house RO? This is the way to go. Just don't do the softener. You're you're going to cut out two, three, five thousand dollars off the price right there.
1: On a small system, considering you know a hundred gallon per minute RO, now you're talking you know a hundred thousand dollars piece oh, of yeah. equipment to pre-treat, as opposed to a you know residential. Yeah, you could put in a, a you know thousand dollar softener, but. Commercial equipment. Now, when you go to commercial, the exact same equipment applies. You use the exact same chemical pump, or let's say we go up from a 0.45 to a two-gallon per day pump or a five-gallon per day pump. costs the same. It's just a different tube or a different, you know, diaphragm design. So there's really no cost increase. It's the only time it's hard to justify the anti-scalant injection is on residential size. I would say five in a gallon per day and below. It's very hard to justify any pre-treatment. Because you throw a membrane away. I mean, we membranes are, are have become a consumable, as opposed to this magical item that was extremely expensive and amazing back in the eighties. Now it's just a common item that's dirt cheap.
0: Yeah, we. So that's that's a good tip there because a lot of guys do will throw a softener in, and, and most likely they don't need it. Where a lot of us here use softeners to remove iron, so we kind of get a twofold bang for our buck, the iron and manganese reduction and the hardness reduction. So if a softener does work for that application, I definitely would say, yeah, use it. But uh, anti-scalants don't tie up iron or manganese, do they?
1: They help marginally. I, we do have a very specific amounts and quantities based on the pH. Really, I would say it's mostly pH dependent. If you have a high pH, any amount of iron is going to foul up a membrane. If you've got a pH below, say seven two, preferably lower your membranes can typically tolerate a little bit of manganese and iron without an issue, because it's going to stay in the uh, ferrous state or the manganese state. It's not going to be in the uh, solid form where it's going to foul up the membrane. Now, you know, Take that with a grain of salt because each application is going to be different. So when your when your membrane fouls, please don't blame me because I was wrong on that.
0: <laughs> I get it. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, listen to the manufacturer. And we're um, um, we're kind of doing a little broad brush thing here, but what most intrigued me about the anti-scalant was how inexpensive they were, how easily applied they were, and you know, in in the large arena. Gallon per day arena, it's just why would you use a water softener? I mean, I remember we had a DI plant in my former life, and we had some monster softeners treating our thirty gallon a minute RO, and we didn't really need it. I, I come to think of it, we're just talking this right now. Why did we have that monster softener when all we needed was an anti-scalant pump and six grains hard? That's that's all the water was six to eight grains.
1: It's the way it was done, and that's when I was when I told you about the two percent of units commercial ROs that we ship with softeners. Those are spec equipment that was spec'd in the 80s or 90s, and nobody's ever changed the boilerplate. You know, it's just this is how we order an RO. It gets a softener, and I can't even I can't I can't talk to these customers. I can't talk them out of a softener because you know the guy who's been working there since 1977. That's how he does it, and he's not changing his ways, which is fine you know, I, I like selling softeners, they make me they pay my bills so I don't have a problem with that, but again, we try to educate people on you know modern technologies again i'm I'm a huge fan of softener. I love softeners at my house i would i couldn't live without it oh sure, but in front of an r o that's ridiculous i mean in most now there are applications where a softener can make sense, but that's when we start using our uh membrane software that kind of tells us what can and can't happen with the uh with the incoming water quality and on occasion these formulas will show hey a softener would be beneficial but again as soon as we run the cost analysis so okay if i don't put a softener the membranes only last six months i'm going to spend thousands of dollars in salt to protect my membranes but you know the cost of just simply replacing the membranes or decreasing the efficiency of the ro You know, we can, instead of getting a 50% recovery or 70% recovery, if we go down to say a 30 or 40%, if you go into these software programs that analyze what will happen to the membranes, you'll see that you can completely eliminate softening in a lot of applications just by decreasing the efficiency. Now in California, that actually works. These cities do not want high TDS water in the drain. They want lots of water because all all that water gets recycled here in, in our area. So if I, if I, if I quote unquote waste water by putting it down the drain, the cities are happy because the, the municipalities get to take that wastewater. They don't have to dilute. They can simply simple treat, send it down the river, get it to water, you know, drinking water quality standards, send it down the river, it down for the next city's water supply. Yeah. Super high efficiency ROs in many areas in California. Most people don't know this, but they are not allowed. Because we have to maintain certain TDS requirements to our waste. If I run an RO at 80% recovery, that's gonna greatly exceed what the city will allow me to put down the drain.
0: Gotcha. That's interesting. You see, it's it's that California world that that I'm just enlightening people to. My listeners are all over, but it's it's good to share what California and different states recommend. California always seems to be on the forefront of regulation but sometimes you know we all kind of have to say it's necessary as we grow as the human population out there that's why you're on in the uh, political arena too because you want to make sure the policies are in our best interest and we thank you for that too
1: yeah well definitely the reasonable aspect of of the wastewater treatment in California, is pretty good. Again, the municipalities, it gets silly sometimes. Uh, recently, they were complaining At that I worked at a pharmaceutical company. I did the water treatment. And we had six pure water systems on site I had to maintain. That takes about six hours a day, an hour each. So I had a couple extra hours a day to do other jobs. So I worked on cooling towers. Well, simple chemical analysis showed that we could drop our cooling tower waste by a million gallons of water a day. That's incredible. Just through some simple chemical adjustments, we went to the city, proposed it, and they just flat out, no, don't want Just send us, send us the water. Because <laughs> I would have given them the exact same amount of stuff, TDS, the exact same amount of total solids, just with a lot less water. And they, they absolutely rejected it and said, no, just send us tons of water. We love clean water. It's easy to treat, it's cheap to treat. High TDS water is impossible to treat. Yeah, So that's where California kind of gets hit in that we have so little water and so many people and so much industry that we have to work with the cities and the municipalities to make sure that we're all playing nice together. That's why softeners commercially are pretty much banned in uh, Southern California. Mm -hmm. So we have to come up with other technologies to get around that. Or we do portable exchange tanks. You know, we we have any sewage treatment plant near the ocean that's where we do all the regeneration because it's just going out to the ocean's waste at that point. We don't care what we send, you know, 20 miles out of the ocean, but yeah, inland, inland, California, very restrictive on, on what we can put down the sewer. So chemical anti-scalant was the obvious choice. And that's like probably why you have so many chemical companies in California making this stuff.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's where it is. Yeah. I I have a chemical company that my, my nephew turned me on to. So, yeah, and or we may be calling you, <laughs> soon, which is nice. But is there any? We're gonna wrap it up. But I mean, is there anything else that you could just throw out there? It was very thorough. I appreciate it. But is there anything else that we could throw in there for people? Is the final tidbit or?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the main thing is on municipal supplied waters. I don't care where you're on the U.S. It's all going to be easily treated. I send equipment all over the country. And I've never had an issue with the municipal supply. So pretty straightforward, five parts per man injection. Contact you, of course, or me or any of the other larger OEMs. If they're unable to help you, find a different OEM. (laughs) That's the obvious. But yeah, really just work with your companies. These guys who really know this stuff, stop using softeners in especially municipal applications. There's just no need. I love softeners. Now, the only time I would recommend that it might make sense would be like a car wash where they have a softener anyways for chemical reduction in the soaps. And, the, you know, all the different chemicals they're using obviously can reduce that greatly with uh, soft water. But uh, And then, of course, you can tie that right into the RO anyways. But even then, the cost per gallon for this amount of salt used probably doesn't make sense. It's probably still cheaper, even though you've already bought the softener. It's probably still cheaper to run an anti-scalant there. But that's where, again, these guys have been doing this for 20, 30 years. That's where most of our softeners go to.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm really, really glad you made the time to talk on the podcast. This is uh, very enlightening. And I hope everyone uh, might consider anti-scalant over a softener now or be more comfortable in that choice. Especially with high hardness and the larger ROs that are applied. So, so I, I really uh, thank you, Alan, for doing this podcast. I really appreciate it. So,
1: awesome. My pleasure. And I'm sure I'll see you at EWQA next year.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, the WQA that's coming up in March, uh, the beginning of March.
1: I got the uh, WQA, PWQA, TWQA, EWQA all coming
0: up. So. <laughs> Mr. <Yikes>. WQA. <laughs> well, All right, everybody, thanks, and trust the frog, as we always say. Thank you.